0: Oh, and welcome to the TV movie Rewind podcast with Matt and Todd. Hi everyone. This week we are doing the 1985 science fiction horror thriller Life Force, directed by Toby Hooper, starring Stephen Rails Matilda May, and Peter Firth. This was a this was a change of course kind of for uh, the Canon Films group, which
1: so this was a Canon production.
0: Oh, yeah, this okay. was, uh, I wasn't you
1: know, sure if it was just distributed or not. okay,
0: oh no, this was they they put their they put their money. It was kind of probably the beginning of their their downfall, probably because the movie really? did not do well in theaters.
1: and that's a shame because this this is a good one. yeah, this was this was a lot of fun and and honestly, in some ways better than a canon. But that's why I like when I saw Canon at the beginning, I was just like, oh, interesting. But I assumed they distributed it. I didn't realize they actually produced. it. I mean, I love canon Films. You know, we do. You know, we, we've talked about a couple of them on here. But I mean, I almost feel like this is like a step above for them. This is one well, of the, one of the higher. Uh, I, I don't know how to put it, but yeah, it's. I don't know. <laughs> that's
0: what they were going for. I mean, they you know they made their name in in the especially in the early and and mid '80s. Well, this was mid '80s, obviously. You know with. Chuck Norris and Charles Bronson and the American Ninja and the the Enter the Ninja films where, you know, they they did low budget movies, but they knew how to spend the budget. They knew how to make what seemed like a big budget action movie for, you know, very relatively little money compared to what the bigger studios were spending yeah. on, on, on the same movies.
1: Yeah. They you know, were spending they just... more than say Roger Corman, but still, still little, you know, And all things considered.
0: Right. And this was supposed to be their big, you know, more elaborate, more, uh, I will not want to say prestigious, but a higher element of film. They hired Toby Hooper. They hired him on. This was the first of a three picture deal. He signed on with uh, Canon, and they were, you know, John Dykstra did these amazing, I mean, the special effects in this movie are top-notch and yeah. still hold up today.
1: So these are Dykstra, okay, so that explains why they're top-notch and why they still hold up, because they are they are very good. The practical effects, I mean, they can go either way. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I like them, especially for the time. Um, maybe to a modern audience, some of them kind of look silly, but I, I don't know, I think, I think it works. I, I ended I up really practical- liking this.
0: I mean, we were watching it on a Blu-ray with, you know, fairly, you know, high def rev- resolution and they still look pretty good. I'm sure the yes. higher the, the definition you get, you know, some of those practical effects maybe don't look quite so, like the, especially the desiccated corpses. But
1: that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's really the desiccated corpses that can be kind of hit or miss, depending on your feeling watching this. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think this... it works, especially for the time. So, I, I you know, I, I'm I, I'm I'm fine with them. But it's also like sometimes they're a little off putting.
0: Yeah, I think it still works pretty well. Yeah, but this is a an elaborate. This is you know they were going for like alien and level of sci-fi horror. Even though the, I mean, it's based on the novel Space Vampires, which you know kind of gives you a very cheesy name, and you know. Sounds like an old 60s style. Although, again, this is kind of an homage to, like, Hammer sci-fi films of the 60s. You know, especially the, um, you know, anything Nigel Keel and Quartermass. It's very much a throwback slash homage to those types of things. You know, because it's science fiction and horror. And maybe even a little bit of H.P. Lovecraft with your, your, you know, the the kind of cosmic (sighs) horror.
1: I mean, by the time you get through the movie, or at least this is how I felt. By the time you get through the movie, you feel like you've watched like a, four different movies. Not you in know, a bad it, way. If, no, not in a bad way, and 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 obviously all you know centered around the same theme, but it it filters between like a vampire movie, an alien movie, a um, a um, you know an action movie, uh, even a zombie movie. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a lot of fun. Like it 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 definitely keeps like evolving as it goes. There's definitely enough
0: material here that if they had, I mean, today they probably even would stretch it out into a trilogy. Oh, easily, you know, yeah. with the, the events on the Church Hill, and then yes. the second movie would be the events leading up to the complete, in total, Chaos. You know, almost z- yeah. zombie apocalypse portions of London at the end of the movie. Yeah, it's a little. It's even like an investigation. It's a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, and and it's unique in that it's very much a. Again, like quarter mass, science trying to solve the problem, you know, not yeah. so much military or the big, you know, the action hero or, you know, even the everyday heroes like an alien where it's, you know, these basically space truckers trying to, you know, survive against this cosmic horror they picked up.
1: Well, it's like I finally get into starting to watch uh, Doctor Who, right? And yeah, this felt this felt so much like a Doctor Who or even Torchwood episode or, or somewhere in between with the way yeah, that they were could, handling it.
0: It could have been something Unit or like you said, Torchwood was having mm-hmm. to deal with later on.
1: It's exactly, that's exactly how it felt like what, 20 years or so prior, or at least to those Doctor Whos. I mean, Doctor Who had been on for quite some time before this movie came out. But yeah, uh, that's that's all I could think of. And, and again, in a good way, or like you said, quarterbacks. So we're talking specifically about the in, international
0: cut which is an extended cut over the United States cut by about 15 minutes. And the easiest way to tell, you can tell right away whether you're watching the American cut or the international cut, the international cut starts with a voiceover narration. And the American cut has a title card that, you know, you read what's leading up to the events of the movie. And the movie starts off in space. We've got the space shuttle, a joint British and American space shuttle exploration. Uh, they're aboard the sh- a shuttle, the Churchill, which is bigger than, obviously bigger than any real life shuttle the Americans launch. Because there's, you know, multiple decks. There's, yeah, it's massive. Um, a, and a large crew. And they are on a mission to study Halley's Comet or Halley's Comet, which was in uh, Toby Hooper's idea to use the comet since it would be passing by Earth in the next in 1986. So he's kind of, you know, using, you know, the, uh, a, an, an astrological event to kind of promote his movie, which it works. Because I guess in the original novel, they find the alien spacecraft, which apparently looks like a castle floating through space in an asteroid field. And really what everything, you know, especially, I guess, um, Canon can really wanted to do was make this as less like, um, more like alien and much less like, you know, queen of space
1: or you know space blood
0: monsters
1: right right every like everything about this film screams like it should be yeah like a b b b b b movie science fiction but they 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 play it so they play it so straight and so sinister like a um you know like a it, it plays a lot like a vampire film i guess cuz it is but uh, again with like a, a, a sort of like a blending of different Harvard genres in it well and like a hammer film i mean yeah, like I, a hammer film right you you watch
0: this movie and you're like Oh, I could see Christopher Lee playing that guy.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah, I kept thinking Christian of him could as the doctor. That
0: guy. Oh, that guy would probably be played by uh, uh, Donald Pleasant. Right. Uh, that would be Michael Goff over there. Yeah.
1: So, Again, in a good way, because you know we're we're big fans of those.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So the movie starts out with you know they're they're, they're on the church hill, and Stephen Rail's back is the. I guess he was originally in the script and as it was filmed the he he plays a colonel uh colonel carlson and he seems like he's in command of the mission but i guess in the original script he was second in command
1: oh okay have you read the
0: book no i tried to find a copy because i really did want to read it and do a comparison but i was unable, unable to find an affordable copy gotcha
1: oh really is it not in print anymore
0: I guess yeah, it's probably been out of print for a good twenty, thirty years.
1: Oh wow, I had no idea because um, is the tomb still in print or do you have any idea? Because I remember, I, I believe the the copy we read was relatively recent, wasn't it? The tomb by F. Paul Wilson. Oh, I'm thinking. Yeah, I get him confused with Colin Wilson. My mistake. <laughs> Different Wilson.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, those those which you know, it's a cycle of books that Todd is thinking of uh, include uh, the keep, the tune, the keep, uh, their they the uh, repairman Jack series of novels.
1: Oh, I had no idea that was a series. I oh, like yeah. the keep. Yeah, but anyways. Yeah, onto the they're... actual movie. yeah, <laughs> Or at least stuff related to the actual movie. I, I got the two writers confused.
0: While they're doing readings of the comet, they discover an alien craft is kind of tagging along, not even like riding in the head of the comet. And they decide they're going to go check it out. And this craft is... Hundred and fifty miles, I think they said it's huge. It's enormous. Yeah. You know, two two miles high, about hundred and fifty miles long, and it looks like uh, I could best compare it to a, a, of a of a piece of asparagus. I guess
1: is the uh... kind of. Kinda, yeah, it's like an elongated well, I guess asparagus is already elongated but you're right it's like a piece of asparagus with like the roots, I don't know if asparagus has roots, but almost like the roots of a tree sticking out of the back of it,
0: yeah, and one it's end a cool end design design. Of extend into an umbrella almost yeah it's a,
1: it's a it's a neat design
0: it's it's very alien looking in that it does look like you know H.R. H. Geiger inspired and also very very un, un unearthly, you know. And with so many alien spacecraft designed over the years, I'm always impressed when somebody can come up with something that is so unique and odd-looking, but you still buy it. You know, you're still like, I guess that could be, you know, an alien spacecraft. It looks something unlike... Anything you're expecting a spacecraft to look like?
1: It does, but it does very much look like a vessel of some kind, yeah, or like the piece of a vessel that broke off. It's a it's a cool design. It it is. It's it's it right. It doesn't it doesn't scream spaceship, but yeah, it's not so out there that it seems. I don't know. It's it's an interesting design. Yeah. So, being space
0: explorers, they decide to lead an expedition into the alien ship and again all these effects and and the effects were are really well done they get you know part of the crew get into these elaborate eva module space shoots.
1: they go in exploring this immense craft and yeah lots of practical models for the space um, for the spacecraft as well and, and you don't get to see it that much in the film but you're right they spend a lot of detail on that for you know to try to to try to keep you in it like i, I don't know I don't remember if you said what the budget of this was, but you can certainly see it wasn't, it couldn't have been cheap or at least again, a hell of a lot of care was put in. Cause all of like the, the, um, all of that stuff looked really good. Uh, even, you know, even today, like all of those, all of those models and smaller details that like it, it worked at least worked well enough. Yeah, it didn't, nothing looked cheap, uh, but also like intricate enough to make it look like it wasn't just, you know, some, you know, colored plastic like glued to a poster board. <laughs>
0: Well, that and and they're, you know, like I said, floating around in zero G. It's not just, you know, like for lack of a better comparison, you know, in most Star Trek episodes, they beam in, they're walking around in the artificial gravity and they're just exploring stuff. You know, no, this is, you know, a, a, a zero G situation, you know, and as they're exploring the ship, they enter this huge chamber filled with the floating corpses of these bat like creatures. And they, you know, go up to one and they just kinda touch it and its hand kinda crumbles and they're like, yeah, it, you know, it would have lost all its moisture to space over the you know, however many decades or centuries, centuries or, or millennia. Or it's millennia. Been right. around here. So all of a sudden uh, a door opens behind them a bright light comes through they get a message from the Church Hill that there's a, the, the there's a part of the airline spacecraft that seems to be opening up like an umbrella and you know sensibly some of the the explorers are like let's get out of here
1: right that's probably bad yeah
0: but <laughs> Steve Railsback back is like nobody's going anywhere and they continue to explore the ship, and they find three humanoids and look perfectly like humans
1: right. right. Uh, not like not mostly human, not humanoid. They just look human. yeah,
0: straight up human. And uh, I'll admit fourteen fifty year old Matt Zeroyce wanted to see this movie because of what we're about to see,
1: yes, and see for most of the film, really. Oh, yeah. Matilda May, completely naked. Not a stitch of clothing. Yeah.
0: Gorgeous. Gorgeous. You know, I I guess she was a dancer. I mean, she's in in incredible shape. Incredible body on this woman. And, again, that's all... 14 15 year old Matt Soce wanted to see when he wanted to see this movie he, if, if not for that I may not have seen this movie until much later in in life because I really wasn't all that interested in sci-fi horror that really didn't come around until I saw aliens and that's when I started
1: getting into this type of genre oh wow uh, see so you, see you, you this movie. you saw this before aliens yeah Oh, wow. I don't think I saw this until years and years after Aliens.
0: Yeah, yeah. This would have been, I mean, two years. It was in theaters two years before Aliens. I assume it was on HBO two years before Aliens as well.
1: I um, Yeah, no. I mean, I know I saw Aliens before I saw Alien, and I must have seen this years after Aliens. But then again... I'm only pretty sure because I confused this with at least two other movies. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm really not sure. Like, it it had been a long time since I had seen this. And this is another movie where it was just like, I do remember seeing it when I was younger. Uh, Unlike Superfuzz, I don't remember it leaving a very positive impression. In fact, if you had asked me, I would have told you, like, oh, I think it was pretty boring, or at least that's how I recall it. And, you know, or at least, the, and you know, and and the beginning, as the beginning started, and it did start slow, not uninteresting, but slow, I thought maybe like, okay, may, maybe my early recollection was right. And, you know, now that I'm different, you know, now that I'm 20 years older, you know, things will be different. But um, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's obviously a very good movie, or we're not talking about it. But um, it does change tone um, throughout the movie. Like, again, it, it ramps up, which is not really what I expected, and certainly not what I recalled.
0: Yeah, at that age, I was still mostly into Star Wars and right. my sci-fi, you know, high energy, laser right. gun battles, starship battles, you know, uh, lots of explosions, not not this type of more, um, you know, trying to tell more of a story.
1: Right, right. This is, but yeah, this is a bit more. Um... No, exactly. I was the same way. Like if it was going to be. If you're, if you're selling me, you know, a movie from space, then yeah, there better be like a lot of like ships explosions and like, you know, big laser battles and stuff like that, right? Like, Star Wars just set that expectation for me um, when I was so young that that yeah, that just defined what sci-fi would be for quite a while, really.
0: Yeah, and as far as horror, I only really liked the horror we watched on Saturday mornings on Creature Double Feature. Sure. You know, I didn't like being, I didn't like being, scared. and this isn't really a scary movie, but when you're you know, you're not into horror movies,
1: anything that's even slightly, you know, got sinister music can be too scary for you. Right. Well, it's not. I mean, it's I guess, you know, by definition, it's a horror movie. Right. And it's not not scary. But no, it's not trying to, like, really get at you like a slasher, or like psychological horror or something. like. No, again, it's it's more cosmic horror. More, yeah, it's more of a monster movie. It's much more of a yeah, it's much exactly it's much more of the, the, the of the yeah, it's it's a, you know, it's as much an alien movie as it is a vampire movie uh as anything and it's it's an interesting it's an interesting mix that like i um you know i i wonder at what point like you know would i have seen it and then kind of you know latched onto it like i did now it probably wouldn't have taken 20 years but i should have given this another chance a lot earlier on than i finally did but you know thanks to this <laughs> thanks to us doing this podcast i finally did get around to seeing it and um i'm the happier for because this is, this one's a lot of fun this is something that i'll definitely um uh, this is something that'll definitely be in like more of a a, a rotation of movies every watch.
0: Well, you, know, I'm not going to call this a slow burn movie because it does. It you know, seems that
1: way. It seems that way at first. It really does.
0: They slowly turn up the dial and the the pace you yes. know picks up until you know in the final act it's it's all hell's breaking loose.
1: Exactly, like it's 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 a it's a slow but exponential pace. I, I guess is how I think about it. So
0: they decide that they're going to, and I like, all right, did, did, did we bring the specimen bag? We're going to put one of these <laughs> these bat things in a special. It's
1: a, bag. Yeah. It's like and a giant like, produce like, bag.
0: You mean the net? Because yeah. they're putting this net, you know, like yeah. this, this fishing net, you know, over the thing. And you're like, all right, I'm sure that's going to, that's going to seal in all the evidence and not get contaminated or
1: contaminate anything, yeah.
0: you know, in that net. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then they decide that, you know, because the, the three human bodies, you know, two male and a female are in these crystal like caskets.
1: Yeah, they're like cast apart from the rest of like There's, there's tons of these like similar looking crystals. And like to me, it, it, it looks a little bit like uh, Superman's Fortress of Solitude, only not white. Right. It's just this like sea of cri- these crystal like looking things, which I suppose are coffins. Um, spoilers, I guess, but uh, these three, you know, human ones, or again, human looking anyway, um, are kind of set out uh, uh, they're, they're like, yeah, they're, they're almost like, uh, almost like as if it was a museum, they're like set up for exhibit, like your eyes are immediately drawn to them, everything, everything is drawn to them. So they bring them
0: back to the Churchill, and
1: almost immediately,
0: you know, some of the crew are starting to have you know, almost like fatigue, feeling weirds, feeling drained. All except for Steven Railsback, who's like, I feel exhilarated. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, every I, I feel like I
1: got more energy than I could should possibly have. Which, what I like about this movie is that there's two ways you could read that, depending on your knowledge of the movie. Right. You know.
0: So now we cut back to several weeks later. And we're in Britain at the scientific research center of of uh, Britain. And I think it's get... like the
1: European side, like whatever, whatever the, Brit, the the UK headquarters of the European science agency is. Like, I assume that's what the ESA patches and stuff they're wearing are. Right.
0: Well, they call it, they keep calling it the SRC. Oh, okay. And they get, okay, the, the Churchill is approaching... Earth orbit but we're not getting any readings back from it you know they're not responding to our, our you know, transmissions and you know while the orbit is steady it's not it's not quite the way it's supposed to be so they send up a rescue shuttle to investigate what's going on and the rescue shuttle gets there and as soon as they board the Churchill they find it completely gutted by fire and everybody dead it's, and but the three crystalline casket's holding the three humanoid aliens are completely intact so those get brought back to earth as well as the the ship's logs and tapes which seem to have been damaged in the fire but they can't get any information off them so all the characters including um Dr. Falada and Dr. Uh, Boo, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this. Buveski. Booves- sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I,
0: yeah. Um, the kind of like the heads in charge of you know the the the, the department. You know they. So now Bukowski, all they know is like, I think. Okay. Yeah. All they know is everybody on the Churchill is dead. They have no mission logs to get any information of, yet these three humanoid bodies are completely intact. So they bring them to the, you know, the Center for Scientific Research and decide like, okay, you know, they have like some meetings, like maybe we should dissect these and, you know, figure out what's going on. because You know, otherwise we, we know, we know nothing, you know, but let's see if we can gain, something from the research and they decide that the female body is the one they're gonna look at first
1: Hmm. all men at this research (laughs) which which again like when you first see the movie yeah it's you know there's a lot of subtext here um and of course that remains but also there's like a very you know as the movie goes on it all kind of becomes clear and and it changes a little bit
0: yeah They get the two males in a separate room. And while I guess, because this all happens quick, we find out later that, you know, this all happens within two hours. Right. That, you know, one of the guards is almost. And and it it is explained later that the space fire vampires are, are psychic. They have a psychic link to who's everybody, anywhere in proximity. I mean, to they, we find out that they took these human forms as soon as the church hill was within range, you know, they read the minds and emotions like, and then they, they took human form.
1: Right. It's like, and, and in fact, it's later posited in the movie that these are the vampires of legend. Yes. Uh, this is where the legend comes from, but it wasn't, it wasn't blood, you know, instead it's life force, which, you know, in, in a way splitting hairs, but in this case it looks a little bit more like the quickening say, um, in, in in highlander later on and it's an interesting like i, I don't know it's um i, I kind of liked that i i thought that was an interesting take um because they have more or less similar um strengths and and powers as as you know your average vampire except um it doesn't seem like daylight seems to matter right so
0: One of the guards, the guy who's supposed to be guarding the room with the female body in it is obviously drawn into the room. And as he approaches, she wakes up and in a spectacular light show Mm -hmm. sucks his life force out of him. And he turns into this desiccated skeletal form, collapses on the floor. And while this is happening, Dr. Dr. What do we decide? <laughs> pronouncing it
1: Bukowski. No, Bukowski.
0: Bukowski. Bukowski. Bukowski sees this on the monitors, and he goes running to see what's going on. And as he enters the room, just as she has, you know, again sucked the life force completely out of this guy, she obviously drains a small portion from Bukowski. And starts to leave the building because just as he saw, Bukowski saw her on the monitors, now Doctor Philada sees what's going on the monitors and goes running. But by the time he gets there, the girl is the girl is gone, and they have you know they put out an alert. You know, guards be looking for this this naked woman who's wandering around the facility. We don't want her to escape. And it cuts to these three cards Sitting in the like, what I would basically say is the lobby or the right, you know, foyer of the building. Like, I'm sorry, would you say again? Are you saying she's completely naked, right? Right, just as somebody one of them saying, like, it's got to be a joke or a drill. Here she comes down the stairs, and they're like, oh, all right. And I got to give credit for how this scene is handled because. While we've mentioned like she is completely naked, it doesn't feel gratuitous.
1: No, no. And it's 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 calculated. Everything is very calculated. I mean, this is sort of like this is, you know, um, it's it's the it's one of the like the, you know, the the sort of like vampire as like the erotic uh, killer sort of thing. Right. Um, But yeah, like for as much as again, she's completely naked throughout the film, as are these other two vampires, but you don't really see them much. Um, it's it's it, it becomes clear that it's all very calculated, especially at the end where she's explaining, like, yeah, you know, we we chose to look like this in order to basically mess with you, in order for you to trust us, for you to, um, you know, not think too past. Like they basically pegged them from the beginning, and it and you can see in that scene especially like how it works. It, it's just like, okay, yeah, they're doing this because you know it's it's entirely disarming. Not to mention all of the rest of the powers that they have.
0: Well, but also the three guards are portrayed as sympathetic
1: right right not i think she's of, yeah like she's got issues or something
0: yeah not, one of them's like be careful she's obviously not quite right mm-hmm. like there there's there's genuine concern by them for her well-being and none of them make any crude remarks right. or you know suggestive remarks they're very much like, all right, all right, let's see what we got to do to contain the situation. And one of them almost tries to treat her like she's a puppy. He's holding up a piece of food almost. Right. Like she's like, all right, miss, come on. Nobody's going to hurt you, miss. Well, because she
1: also seems like catatonic. Right. Right. Because she's not saying anything. She doesn't say much through the film, really, but she's um, she's not saying anything. Yeah, it's like it's a very it's very earth real. She's almost walking through like a ghost. I'm not sure she spoke English. Matilda May. Oh, maybe she didn't. And it wouldn't surprise me if the very
0: few lines she does have were either dubbed or she learned how to speak them phonetically. Okay. So she actually lets out a burst of energy that knocks out the three guards and shatters windows and goes walking off into the night. Next we get, we're introduced to Peter Firth, who plays SAS Colonel Colin Kane.
1: Yep. And it is and, it is it is Kane with a C, so it is triple yes. C. So
0: he is now the military officer sent to, you know, try to control the situation. And immediately, you know, he's brought to he's like he brought up to speed. And what's it's it's kind of weird because he is now the character we're kind of going to follow throughout the rest of the movie.
1: He's essentially the hero, I guess, yeah.
0: But you know, if but you not really the star. Think of, if you think back and, and he doesn't really get to do much but stand no. around and be confused and and be like, you know, have the situation explained to him,
1: right? Because right. now it's, Fulata, it's it's hard to peg in that way, yeah. Uh
0: now Falada and uh I've already forgotten how we're going to say. Bukowski? Uh, yes. Yeah. I am trying to explain to him, like, you know, we found, you know, we found these three alien bodies in completely human form on the completely destroyed Churchill. We got nothing from the tapes. He goes, oh, yes, the tapes were damaged by the fire. Well, actually, that's what we told the press to keep things, you know, under wraps, but somebody erased those tapes they were erased they weren't damaged by the fire okay well show me the you know sh- show, show me the body well we're gonna we're, we're about to start the well no even before this happens the two other vampires get up and the guards open fire and you see them taking these graphic bullet hits but still coming towards them like terminators and then two of the guards decide like well, nuts to this, let's throw some grenades in there. Right. And they blow them apart. So Falada uh
1: I think we uh, could all understand that sometimes you're frustrated enough and you just throw a grenade. I don't blame them. I, I mean, don't blame them one bit. Yeah. Not at all. You know, they saw what these what the
0: female did to one of the other guards. Are you gonna let them get close enough to do that to you? Hell no. Not if and I have if a grenade bullets, in my hand. No. If the bullets aren't working, you go up to grenades. That's that's right anybody anybody who's played a video game knows that one yep you know if, if you don't have the next level weapon leveled up you, you you go to your 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 grenades
1: right I mean this is clearly a boss fight you use the grenades that's what they're there for so Falada and and Colonel uh, Kane go running into the
0: room and you know they don't really show the carnage but it's completely like well we ain't gonna get any autopsies off of these two and he's like all right uh have they started the autopsy on the dead guard, Yes, I believe so, so they go run into the up to the autopsy room to witness them you know they're about to autopsy the shrivelled up corpse of the guard when that thing wakes up, and it's obviously you know some sort of puppet, but I think it really works
1: well. I think it looks really it works it certainly would have worked in eighty four you know like it wouldn't I wouldn't have given it a second thought in eighty four it would have terrified me. And it wakes up, and of course all the the autopsy technicians are
0: terrified, suitably terrified, you know, shaking in their boots, but one is entranced to come closer and he gets his life force sucked out of him, and he becomes the desiccated corpse and the guard is now revived to his old, youthful vigor and everybody's kind of like, what the
1: hell is going on? And like, it's a scene that really should be talked about more because it's a really cool scene as one grows desiccated and then steve rails back starts to get his um or i'm sorry the guard rather starts to get like his life back it's really well done like you see the transition happen from one to the other it's it's pretty cool like he's reinflating almost. right it's 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 i don't know i think it's a really neat i think it's a really neat scene um especially for the time it's incredibly well done um it's and i'm surprised it's not um i'm surprised it's not talked about more like along with the um well i mean that on an award right like you know like the the transformation scene and say american werewolf in london and stuff like that
0: yeah well at this point you know dr uh falada who by the way i should point out frank Finlay is my whip pistol award winner
1: oh yeah yeah he's
0: playing both you know quarter mass and van helsing kind of in this movie
1: yes absolutely yeah
0: um He's like, oh, my God, it never occurred to me that the, the this could be transferred to, you know, other people. So he immediately orders that the revived guard and the desiccated body be removed to uh, isolation cells. And he looks at his watch and says it was exactly two hours ago that the guard was attacked. I think in two hours we're going to witness this happen again. So, Sir Percy, the secretary of the homeland, is called in. And as he gets there, it's been two hours and they go down to the holding cells and they watch as the guard, who now doesn't have, is being held away from anybody, doesn't have anybody to rejuvenate his life force, shrivels up and basically just turns to dust. And then in the next cell, the shriveled up course of the autopsy technician, uh, the medical examiner, it reanimates. And he's trying to get life force and he rushes the bars and kind of hits it such a force that he bursts into dust.
1: Again, excellent. You know, it can't be stated how 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 good these effects are. Len you said? "Not, uh, Len, uh, not no, uh, Glenn, Glenn. John Dykstra. John Dykstra, yeah. I'm thinking I think I might have confused him with the baseball player for a second there. Yeah. Um,
0: I know he does like he did like the effects of all the spaceships and and the the glowing lights and the life, life force. Oh, but not the creature I, effects. I, I don't know if he might have done the creature effects. I don't know, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a separate department that, that took care of those. Got it. While all this chaos is going on, they get word that the escape pod from the church hill has just been picked up entering earth's atmosphere and landing in uh texas so it's he's they 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 find the pod they open it up and it's steve rails back as colonel carlson and they immediately you know treat his you know dehydration and other you know things for being in that escape pod all this time and um sent him over to Britain so that, you know, they could kind of try to get a handle of what's going on. So he gets there and now we get, we finally get an idea of what happened on the church hill from between the time we saw them um, putting the bodies into storage and then all communication is lost and, they discover the the burnt out wreckage of the Churchill, and this is where, like you know, like I said, this could have been its own movie. This could mm-hmm. have been an earlier, you know, space bound voyage of the Demeter. Yes, where
1: one that's by exactly one, the vibe I get, or Alien, you know, yeah.
0: One by one, the crew starts acting oddly, sabotaging the ship. They're finding the completely
1: desiccated
0: corpses as they go along, and. How he was the one who set fire to the ship in order to try to destroy the vampires and escape to Earth, but he's also covering up the fact that we won't find out till later that he was obviously under the thrall of the she's she her she's credited as Space Girl,
1: right? Uh, yeah, Matilda. Mann. Yes, they they never give her a name, and and the way they the, the way they present it is it's like. The the thrall is less direct than you might see in most vampire movies where it's almost like a hypnosis and there's like a clear command. The way that he describes it is more just like an extreme empathy, like a love, like he's obsessed with her, um, like he doesn't even realize that it's something she's controlling. It almost seems like it's his own idea and he just can't control himself.
0: He's almost becoming a Renfield.
1: Yes. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a good way of putting it. It's it's just like, I, I like how it's um, like, I, I, I like how they play with the vampire myths uh, in this. Uh, I, I think it works really well. Again, I thought that was a cool little twist on it where it's not like, you know, again, you don't even know that you're under any sort of control. It's just, it just becomes like a, uh, like a lustful obsession. Which, again, given the fact she's naked and beautiful through the whole movie, um, you know, is, is very much speaks for, for, for itself on the surface. But at the same and then at the same time, again, to the vampire myth as well. It's uh, I, I really like what they did there.
0: And we also find out that he's got a psychic link yes. to Space Girl.
1: Which, again, common common with uh, like half turned or whatever you would call them. Uh, Semi vampires. Well, I guess he was never turned. His, his life force was never drained in, in in that way so it's not like or at least
0: only enough of it was drained to keep him still alive
1: I guess yeah you know I, it's so you're right it's so there uh, I never really thought about it but it, I should have you're right he is basically he's kind of a Renfield you know without the bug eating but yeah uh,
0: for those f- familiar with John Carpenter's vampires he's almost the um,
1: uh,
0: woman character uh,
1: Cheryl Lee Oh, I forget her name, but the one that uh, the bald one runs off with at the end. Yes, yeah,
0: where she's like they use her as the psychic link, right? To to track uh, the vampire.
1: That's exactly what I thought of as well. But but it occurred to me, like in in most of those cases, and um, and I don't think I don't think Renfield was ever bitten. But like in most of those cases, that you know, it was some sort of like direct. Uh, well, like they were bitten, right? Uh, in, in, in Railsback's case, I don't think he was ever drained. I mean, there are certainly parts of the story were never told, so who, who knows? But I, I think, yeah, I think the Renfield, I think it's very much a Renfield situation.
0: So now we basically, the, 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 the movie will follow um, Colonel Carlson and Colonel Kane yeah. as our vampire hunting team going out to track down And find out where Space Girl has gone because, you know, they want to get her, you know, into custody before she's going and and killing more people. And Dr. Falada is basically, you know, the home base commander, you know, that will be reporting back to the, they'll be reporting back to him and he'll be reporting to them, you know, what his research finds to help, um,
1: um, solve the case and, and that's when and, you realize you've you're you're actually watching the hidden now
0: <laughs> well you know kind of a hidden kind of a body kind of a body yeah yeah um almost kind of even a james bond with peter firth as bond and frank finley as m
1: yeah yeah i mean it being so super british that that helps yeah
0: so they get word that a woman's body has been found in a park that is in the same shriveled condition as a victim of the space vampires and they go and check that out and that leads peter first to even further get a psychic link that we find out that the three lead vampires also have the ability to change form again psychically change form or possess, like leave their body right, and possess somebody else's body.
1: Like, like a ninja. Sure. You know, known for their possessions. So
0: she is now possessed another woman and they're able to hypnotize Steve Rails back as, as Carlson and get an idea like, okay, she's walking and, and she's, she's approaching this car. Can you see the license plate? Yes. Here's the license plate number. And it's a white Volvo. And She's getting in the car and they're driving off. And they're able to track the car. They're able to find the guy who was driving the car and put him in isolation because he's again, he's like, he's having memory loss and feeling extreme fatigue, much like uh, Bukowski. Bukowski. And Um, the the, some of the members of the Churchill expedition and Carlson himself. And they find out, yes, so we have him in custody. But he announced he told us that he dropped her off at this asylum for the criminally insane. And now you get another Dracula, you know, uh, uh, thing of the insane asylum. So they hurry there and hoping to talk to the woman. And that's where we get to meet Sir Patrick Stewart. Yep. Uh of Star Trek and X-Men Fame, who is the basically the Dr. Seward of this asylum. Yep. And he's like, Oh, if I was able to describe this, you know, we're we're looking for this this one of your nurses, this is her name. Can can we talk to her? And he's like, Well, yeah, I'm gonna cooperate in whatever way I can. And they go up and talk to her, and he's like, She's left. She's not in her body anymore, but I'm gonna try to make her talk and, and tell me it's a bit of a disturbing scene mm-hmm. because real is back is saying like, I psychically see that this woman is a masochist. She wants me right, to the, hurt her, the victim. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to hurt her. I'm going to have to hurt her to get her to talk. You might want to leave the room. And then Colonel Kane's like, Oh no, I'm a natural voyeur. Oh, it's
1: like, all right, you guys, gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tr- trying to root for you guys here. Right. It was a really gross scene. <laughs> um, although or, or maybe 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 he pegged the fact that she would want that I don't know uh, but yeah I, I don't know
0: or maybe he was just saying like maybe I should you know it was his way of saying I should stay in the room to make sure this doesn't get out of control you, that's that, what I that as to well. justify yep. in my mind so I don't have to shower immediately after seeing the scene <laughs> but they leave the room. It's like, all right, we we you know uh, we got we got the information we need. Um, she'll be fine. Uh, Doctor Patrick Stewart, because I don't really remember the character's name. I think it was Armstrong.
1: We'll just say Seward. <laughs> yeah. um, I like that, Doctor Seward. S- Stewart Seward. Okay, I'm trying you to.
0: You know, remember. if I were to describe a patient,
1: Armstrong, I think is right. Able, yeah. Uh,
0: would would you be able to identify him? He's like probably i should know all the patients all right uh a, a older man uh bald has a birthmark on his face it's like oh yeah he's this guy he's he's a child murderer we have him locked up because he's been naughty which is a mild way to describe the actions of a child murderer right <laughs> so uh you know uh Patrick to do it, slaps him on the shoulder. I'll take you, you know, we'll, we'll go. Can, can I, I, I should be able to, but I want to be there during the interrogation. He's my patient. He's my responsibility. And rails back in Kane who have just had a little conversation say, Oh no, absolutely. You should, you know, you should be allowed to say, and they go to the order and they bring a, bring all the doses you have of this drug that's used for sedation and hypnosis because we're probably going to have to use it on the patient. So they get to the patients room, and just as they're making it look like they're going to interrogate them, they grab Patrick Stewart and yell to the orderly, inject him, inject, inject, like, what's going on? What's going on? Give me the, give me the syringe. And they inject Patrick Stewart. And that's when we find out she is in Patrick Stewart. She is possessing Patrick Stewart. And when Patrick Stewart put his hand, on rail's back shoulder that's when he sensed it that he was in um stewart's body and this was all just a distraction to capture him and again we have this he tries to psychically force space girl out of stewart we get on actually this is basically an exorcism scene
1: yes now it's the exorcism (laughs) yes
0: Chaos reigns. Everybody's kind of knocked around. Sir Percy, who'd been along, uh, has his neck broken as he's thrown into a wall. Stewart is screaming. They finally have to sedate him. And they decide, all right, we're going to have to bring him back to the Center for Scientific Research. Or I should be saying Scientific Research Center. By helicopter, you know, we'll strap him to a stretcher. We'll take Sir Percy's body back. And we're heading back to London. Things really ramp up this at this point because yes. as they're heading back to London by helicopter, they get a message that more bodies are being found in London, and they get, oh my god, she led us away from London. This was all a trick, because while we were chasing her, the people she had possessed, she'd obviously be been returned into her actual form, and spreading the vampire plague throughout London. Then we get this really bizarre and bloody, literally bloody scene as blood comes pouring out of the faces of Patrick Stewart and the guy playing Sir Percy and they form a blood image of Space Girl.
1: It's a neat effect.
0: She doesn't really do much anything but terrify them and the pilot who turns around to see this apparition and almost crashes the helicopter out of sheer terror. And then she just collapses to a pile of blood. And that's when, you know, uh, Kane and Carlson both like, this was, you know, we're, we're screwed. I mean, they've she's conquered entire planets and wiped out civilizations. I don't know if we're going to be able to stop her. Meanwhile, they also get a communication from Doctor Falada, who has found out that the two male vampires are not dead. They took possession of the guards that supposedly killed them, and Falada has managed to kill one of the guards. He finds out that leaded iron through the center of the, the energy center of the body, which is about two inches below the heart, will kill them. And he's proven that by you. You see, over in the the guy dead on the floor with this strange looking sword passing his body. And he's trying to give him like you know I, they're they're probably these they they've they've been to Earth before. The vampires of ancient myth are obviously you know part of this. Uh, all hell's breaking loose here in London. Get back as soon as you can. And then they get another communique. As they're flying in, that no, they they um, they're going to be quarantining London soon.
1: Yeah, things move fast.
0: Yes, incredibly fast. So, before they head back to the Center for Scientific Research, they land at um, was it Downing Street? No, Downing. Where's the Prime Minister live? They, 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 they go Street, to talk yeah. to the Prime Minister,
1: or at least maybe that's where Parliament is.
0: And they they land on the roof, and you know everything. You know they noticing people all over the place are starting to collapse. They they want they demand to see the prime minister right away. The prime minister comes out. Yes, yes, yes. I'll be right with you, Miss um, Havisham. Miss Havisham is secretary. <laughs> calls into a he calls her into another room, and when they're like oh, something's up here, and they look, well, there's the prime minister draining Miss Havisham of her life force, and before they don't try to stay her or do anything. They're like, let's get the hell out of here. They head back to the helicopter. Again, more people are collapsing and they're told that they're going to have to land outside of London in a quarantine zone. They are quarantining London. uh, Martialized and declared. So they land and they get the situation that, you know, this, this is out of control. Uh, And you see London in the background and you see all basically, again, the spectacular light show of all these glowing orbs and lightning flying up to the sky.
1: Sky beams. Yeah. Well,
0: this may be the first
1: sky beam. I mean, it's the first I can think of. Yeah. It's the first I can think of someone. Yeah. Some writer for Marvel, uh, the MCU saw that and was like, yep, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, a
0: giant sky beam flying out of the center of the city up into, and it's all shooting up and being collected by the alien spaceship. And Carlson's like, "Yeah, that's what they're going That's what they do. They travel from world to world. They collect life force energy to refuel themselves and refuel their ship. And then once they've gotten their, you know, once they've gotten, they, they filled their and topped off their tank, they're back to space looking for another civilization to wipe out." So Carlson kind of obviously gets psychically, you know, a link to where she is. And he gets in the car and goes off after her. And and Colonel uh, Kane is like, where would he go? Where do he go? Oh, he just, you know, he knocked me down, took the car and drove off. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to have to go after him. Give me the keys to this Jeep and give me a sidearm. And, you know, they do the little bit of like, no, we can't just just do it. He's like, all right. He's going to go after go after carlson and this is where we get the probably the best line in the movie as he's going out the gate after carlson he's you know the the soldier stop him like you 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 the the city's quarantined sir you don't want to go in you don't want to go in there and he very deadpanly responds i know i
1: don't i know i don't yeah it's an honest answer i appreciate that and he delivers it great
0: now we get to the they get to London and it is full-on uh, zombie apocalypse chaos.
1: Yeah, we're on like the third or fourth movie now and it's awesome.
0: Life forces are being, you know, sucked and flying out. It's almost like if you... In the Ghostbusters when they shut down the um, the containment unit and Kinda, all, the, yes. all the life... You know, the, all, the, all the ghostly forms go exploding out into the city. And then you get, you know... Zombie looking, or every it, it they they're they're zombie looking now. They know. Yeah, well, they look Gone like the is desiccated. The, yeah, and it's probably because at this point, none of them are being able to really absorb life force anymore. Anytime they're pulling out the life force to try to it replenish gets... them themselves, the two lead vampires are siphoning it off to send up to their ship
1: it's a really like it's um you don't i mean i guess this movie could have been that much longer but you know what if they're going to give me more like uh not a living dead plus poltergeist absolutely you know you know i'm I'm all in but what we do get is 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 pretty awesome but that's the imagery i get is like a, a cross between uh poltergeist which i guess is you know appropriate and um like donald dead and this is another reason to get the international Cup because this mm-hmm. all
0: these scenes are extended and added to um, rails back we see you know again he's he's driving to the they they only call it the the uh cathedral i guess it must be the the i don't know my my uh london uh landmarks
1: yeah. No, not the Maybe anymore. it's the At
0: cathedral of London.
1: Not, not I, that well anyway.
0: He's driving there and uh Colonel Kane first goes to the center for scientific research to try to talk to Dr. Falada. And he gets there and all he finds is is mostly dead bodies and the, the place is abandoned. And and again, he's gone through a harrowing journey to get there. He's been being attacked and fighting off, you know, the the life force zombies that are crawling all over his car and, you know, some are running off to attack other living civilians, Every you know, trying to get out of the city. It's, it's complete and total chaos. It's, it's, it's horror movie gold. He finds Dr. Falada. Unfortunately, you know, it's, it becomes, it becomes obvious that uh, Falada is now a, a vampire himself and um, Kane has to shoot him and and kill him and he uh, while he's there he retrieves the sword that was used to kill the other male vampire and he's been informed now also that the center of all the energy being shot up into the sky to the alien spaceship is coming from the cathedral so he figures that's where he's going to find carlson and the remaining two vampires so he heads there and again as he's leaving the building, he sees, he sees that his car has been destroyed because, you know, all the life force energy zooming around the city is blowing things up and destroying things as well. And he's being chased by some of the, the zombie vampires. You know, he, he can fight some off. and But what really we see is his skill in knowing how to keep moving because he'll be running down the street and he'll see that he's you know, can't run that way. But instead of pausing and being indecisive and trying, to, he just turns around and runs into the other, the other direction. He knows he has to keep moving because if he stops, one of these vampires is going to grab him and kill him. Right. So he just 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 keeps running.
1: He He shows the sense of urgency you'd expect him to have versus a lot of movies which would, you know, have them linger for some reason to show you some like longer set piece <laughs> beyond like reason where it's like you should go now, you know.
0: And he's a member of British, you know, the British... Well, he doesn't
1: confirm it, but he's SAS, presumably, or something higher.
0: His elite... No, they do confirm. He doesn't confirm it to the press.
1: Oh, right. That's right. he confirms
0: it to to, to Dr. Falada that he's, you know, an elite Special Forces unit. So, running around and shooting things is, you know, something he's been trained for. He gets to the... When Carlson gets to the Citadel, it looks like he's about to confront Space Girl, but next time we see him, he's completely naked and they're making out. And, you know, all the energy is, again, being directed through the two of them and shot up into the sky. And he keeps every now and then he breaks from the trance and is like, you know, why do you have this hold over me? Why do I feel like, you know, this is all part of my destiny? And she says, because you've always been one of us. Which it's never made clear is was, you know, because they, they do indicate that the space vampires have come to earth before did one of them mate with a a woman and is he a descendant of these vampires or is the psychic link now so strong he's one of them but it's not important
1: or was it like he um like, you know, when she reads his mind or whatever, can feel like, you know, he's supposed to be one of them. Like, it's they, you're right. They, and we, we'll never know, I guess. It, anyways, like, he's, he's
0: obviously trying to break the hold she has over him, but he can't. Kane arrives at the Citadel or the Cathedral. Cathedral. And... Outside is the other remaining male vampire who almost seems to, like, maybe he's he's siphoning in all of the, the free-roaming life force and then directing it down to Space Girl and Carlson. And he confronts Colonel Kane and basically says to him, it'll be less horrifying if you just come to me. And That's Kane really answers... I'll do exactly that. And he runs up with the sword and runs him through with it, killing him. And, but you know, he doesn't of course just die. He erupts into blue energy and we see him briefly in the bat like creature form before he dies. Kane picks up the sword, heads into the cathedral and he, you know, uh, uh, Carlson and Space Girl are on a lower level than him, and he's calling to Carlson, trying to get his attention. Carlson, again, is able to kind of break free for a second, and he sees that Kane is holding the sword, and he kind of holds out his hand, like, throw me that sword. Kane does, and then Carlson impales both Space Girl and himself through the energy center with the sword. Big light show. Kane is, you know, kind of thrown back by, you know, the explosive force. All the energy is now being sucked out of London up into the sky. And it seems like, you know, you're you're expecting that Carlson and Space Girl have died because they've been run through. But it, it seems like they're actually transported up to the ship. All the energy's now been collected by the ship. The ship kind of just seems like it closed off, closes up shop and then starts heading out into space. The final scene is of Colonel Kane standing outside the cathedral, looking up at the sky. The city is now completely quiet because everybody's either dead, dying, or has escaped. And
1: that's the end of the movie. Well, the other thing, yeah, like the... um do we get a sequel no was, was there ever a sequel made or ever talked about all right i didn't, I didn't think so I, I, the, I the movie didn't do up.
0: i i don't know if maybe they had planned to if the movie did well but
1: because it's it's i mean it's certainly set up for the plausibility right because like yeah the ship very clearly doesn't get destroyed or anything um there's no reason to be certain that um either steel rails back or uh or um space girl <laughs> um die and they certainly seem to be like transferring a whole bunch of energy to everything else around them so presumably it goes on to another planet and does some pretty awful things but um i guess yeah i guess n- nothing will be explored no, no comic books no uh later adaptations nothing like that
0: no again the movie wasn't successful i mean it's become you know, ah, that's not like... a requirement. Not not as as popular as John Carpenter's the thing, but like over time it has found an audience. And
1: I mean, um, I mean of the movies that I've got, you know, comic book sequels, I, I don't know. I, 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 I you know, I could see this one being done. It's probably how it'll have to be done. In fact, it could be an interesting enough series. No, but again, it's a fun movie that sure. had
0: enough material and ideas for multiple movies. Um, I often wonder, too, if, you know, maybe if the international cut had been the American release, because it is a better and more coherent movie than the American release. It's
1: more satisfying, too, because you get that payoff in London at the end that apparently gets cut up in the American release. It's been so long since I had seen that. I could I don't remember. But um, that's from what you said before. Right. That That's part of what was cut was the uh...
0: most of the scene of the uh, scenes of Carlson
1: and Kane
0: uh, moving around London and encountering the chaos are cut. Yeah.
1: That's, I mean, that's a big payoff. No,
0: it, it it's, it's so well staged. You, you would think
1: you would think this is what the audience is here for. Right. Give it to them. Well, it's a, it's, it's a, yeah, it's the payoff from where it starts off. Like, again, it's like you said, it's not really a slow burn movie. Um, it actually, again, like I, I think it ramps up. Yet, like I said before, like slowly but exponentially. But it, it's it starts off feeling like a slow burn. It starts off so very sleepy, uh, which is appropriate for a vampire movie, and especially like the you know the 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 two thousand one ish kind of way it's starting off. Um, this is a really fun film. I'm 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 glad to have finally rewatched it. Uh, I've had it in my collection thanks to you because you had upgraded to the DVD at some point, so I've been had in my collection for a while. And it's, it's a movie that, um, you know, I would read the back of and go, this premise sounds amazing. Uh, and, you know, and I, and I probably checked, like, you know, scores or whatever. And it was just like, you know, it, it, it didn't do too well. So I was just like, all right, well, I'll get to it eventually. I'll get to it eventually. And, you know, I don't even know how long that's been now. Um, so I'm glad to finally rediscover it. And, uh, yeah, it, it paid off because this, this one is a heck of a lot of fun. And... I think part part of me wants to see the American cut again to find out exactly what was missing, but it's like, what's the point? the the the, the international cut is better, um, and this was great. Um, I'm kind of surprised. Like, I I I don't know what kind. Does it have much of a cult following? Because it's like, not that I'm it heavily in those oh, yeah, circles. It it's, okay, cool. Uh, again, it should.
0: Big, it's it's not as big as the following of like John Carpenter's The Thing, but. Now, this is another movie that, you know, people have discovered over the years and been like, geez, why wasn't this movie more popular? Yeah, I've owned it on I've owned it on VHS, DVD and Blu-ray and Shout Factory is doing a 4K release. But I guess they're only doing the 4K release for the American version,
1: which seems odd. Oh, really? Yeah, that's that does seem odd. Um one of the things that one of the things that I liked about this movie too, and I think what helps you, you know, just keep going with it is like the 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 character motivations made sense in the movie. You know, and there was no like um there was no and, like full betrayal or any of that sort of nonsense. They kept it well, they kept it and, straight. It all and worked.
0: Not only that,
1: they keep taking definitive active action. Right. At no
0: point, at, at you know, like at first they were a little like, you know, they didn't expect these corpses to get up and start attacking them. But once they realized, like, no, this is more dangerous than they, they seem, they take definitive action. Granted, the unfortunately, the space vampires are obviously one step ahead of them all the way there. But sure. it's not because that at any point one of them said, oh, it'll be fine. No need to warn, you know, uh, uh, no need to isolate. No, they're just dead. No, no need to do this. Once they realize the danger, they keep trying to make steps, take steps to stop it from spreading. Yeah. They fail. But it's, again, it's not because of the, you know, the the more common trope of, you know, somebody in charge just being like, eh, what's the worst that can happen?
1: Do you think any of it had to do with at least... At least for America, anyway. I suppose it did. Like, um, I'm not sure how well of a, how well known of an actor Steve Railsback was at a time, um, or really much anyone else uh, in this movie. Do you think that had much to do with it, or the fact that it was a canon release? Maybe because, like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, I can't figure out what is wrong with this film, except for if you're not just, if you're just not into the idea of space vampires, or maybe you're not into sci-fi. I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast, but I mean, I, that I could understand, but. For what, like, for what you're expecting to get, I, I would say this movie delivers and more. So I'm really surprised. It, didn't, I mean, I'm glad it has a cult following, but yeah, I guess you know, I wonder what it was. Um, it
0: may have just been again uh, uh, at the wrong time.
1: Yeah, I you think know, if this movie like... came out in the '70s or something, like, so you know, say as or even as a Hammer film, it it might even be better remembered.
0: I mean, we're only again. This was only two years out from Return of the Jedi and um three years out from et yep so yeah I, um
1: was it maybe sci-fi fatigue after star
0: wars i don't know if it was sci-fi fatigue or just the wrong type of sci-fi at the wrong time
1: yeah yeah it's weird uh, i mean i can tell you i mean maybe it's uh you know i i, I can tell you Again, like I, I don't remember connecting with this movie at all. Like unlike Super Fuzz, which is a movie that I probably hadn't seen in a similar amount of time, um, I vaguely remembered enjoying that. This, I vaguely remembered being bored by, or at least not having it leave an impression either way. Um, well
0: yeah, And again, I think it's just in comparison to the movies, the big movies at the time, which were like the Star Wars films. Sure. And the Indiana Jones films, you know, these rousing,
1: almost nonstop adventures. 85. Yeah. I'd probably be watching, you know, Back to the Future or, yeah. The Last Starfighter. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's true. The- probably just got buried as much as anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it was just like that's what audiences were more expecting. So, and at that time, too, what was dominating the horror were the slasher films.
1: True. And yeah, it's is kind so- of neither of those. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a blast though. Um, definitely a recommend. Oh yeah. And, and, and if you enjoy,
0: I want to say like, you know, cause again, the, the, the end of the movie feels like a zombie apocalypse. Yes. So if you enjoy zombie movies, you'll, you'll, you'll have something to like here. If you enjoy the quarter movies or, you know, really any old sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, if um, you know, so I guess we might as well just do recommendations. Yeah, that's... we're about to recommend. Oh, sure. Um, you know, there are similarities to the, a movie that we will cover sometime in the near future. Five million years to Earth, which is a Hammer film and a
1: quarter mass film. I'm looking forward um, to that. I've never seen it. What What's the quarter mass title of it? Quarter mass in the pit. Quarter mass in the pit. OK, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I've never seen that.
0: Uh, I, I, I'm fairly certain you have, but you're probably well, too young to
1: remember. Yeah, I it was probably over 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Doctor
0: Who, if you're a fan of Doctor Who, or if you're a fan of this movie, check out, especially, you know, the Chris Eccleston and David Tennant years of, of Doctor Who.
1: Yeah, that's what I finally got around to watching. What seventeen years later, eighteen years later, but I'm enjoying the hell out of maybe nineteen now. Jeez, twenty twenty-four. Yeah, but I'm enjoying the hell out of them, and um, that was definitely the vibe I was getting. It's like I was almost expecting the doctor to show up to start slowly piecing together what these were.
0: This really, and we yeah, did. It really it was could just have a different doctor. Been, been a plot, a, a, a Doctor Who plot. Yeah. Uh, there's just it's there's there's an extreme level of of fun and thrills that you you will get out of this movie it's again we're we're drawing comparison and recommendations to other movies but it also is fairly unique to itself
1: it fits a lot of moods yeah it fits a lot of moods like it's it's got that mid-80s feel of it could almost be like it kind of crosses genre it's it's part action it's part sci-fi it's part horror yeah it's um it's it, definitely closer to alien than it is
0: aliens, sure, but you know if you're a fan of any of those you know alien movies that you know or, or like you know the I won't say knockoffs but so much as like homages mm-hmm. that um Roger corman did a bunch of like forbidden uh forbidden world and uh what's what's the other one i'm 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 thinking of um forbidden world and um, uh I've forgotten it. But he did a bunch of, you know, sci-fi, you know, versus the unknown uh, uh, films around this time as well. Forbidden World and Galaxy of Terror. Galaxy of Terror is the one I couldn't think
1: of. Oh, there you go um the other thing too like it does it you know it obviously we keep calling them space vampires i mean that's the book it was based on that's effectively what they are space energy vampires if i guess if you want to be precise but it it still works as a vampire movie like if you're a vampire fan uh vampire movie fan this absolutely works as a vampire and a damn, yeah, a damn good one yeah and I'm, I'm a sucker for a good vampire movie and this is this will be no exception which is part of the reason why i'm surprised it's taken me this long to 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 really get into this movie but oh whatever <laughs>
0: i mean there there is you know a kind of allusions to salem's lot where you know it, it starts slowly and then by the end of it the vampires are everywhere one
1: of my recommendations uh, uh helpfully directed by the same guy
0: yeah yeah and rest in peace the rest recently peace departed guy. david soul yep all right um Last week we, we ran long, so we didn't do our new segment where we retitled the movie with a more exploitive title. But I'm going to take time to do it here. Last week when we did Super Fuzz, um, my rec- my uh, exploitation title would have been Atomic Cop. The War on Crime has just gone nuclear.
1: Oh, so I, um, I think my, oh, mine was like... Oh, what the heck was it? Now it was something. I, I, it was something like Vice City Red or something like that. I, I forget exactly what it was, but it had. It was like blood red Vice City or something along those lines. Um, I, I couldn't figure out one for. The, I mean, it's the, I want to call it an exploitation movie, but how do you get more exploitive than just the well, original title, like Space? The vampires. original title
0: of Space Vampires is yeah, is <laughs> yeah, almost like the way you you, you would want to go. Right.
1: I can't improve on that. I can't.
0: <laughs> but. I'm gonna go with naked vampires from outer space.
1: Okay, that is somewhat more exploitive. All right, that you're right. Fair enough. That is that is certainly more exploitive and even more accurate. Yeah, and yeah, you won't be disappointed if you you know if you're looking
0: to see naked vampires from outer space, you're gonna get it. Yep. All right. Well, um, if that's it we'll wrap up with our usual magnificent seven degrees where we connect this movie to my favorite film the magnificent seven and seven steps to last you said you had one
1: uh yeah um so sir patrick stewart um obviously picard um you know jean-luc picard in in the star trek uh, next generation series but he was also the poop emoji in the emoji movie uh with stephen wright who is in reservoir dogs with lawrence tierney who is in murphy's law with charles bronson
0: Okay, very good. I am going also with Sir Patrick Stewart, but I am going with he was in Wild Geese 2 with Barbara Carrera. Barbara Carrera was also in um, Never Say Never Again, the unofficial James Bond movie that featured Bernie Casey as Felix Leiter. Bernie Casey made his big screen debut in Guns of the Magnificent Seven, which had Fernando Ray, who also appeared in Return of the Magnificent Seven, with Yul Brenner, who was, of course, in the original Magnificent Seven.
1: Fantastic. Or is it Magnificent? Is it magnificent? <laughs> You're right. You're right. Missed opportunity there. We'll have to edit that and, and you can have me say Magnificent instead.
0: All right, well, with that, we thank you. Oh, you know what? There's a story I wanted to tell. There is something else I wanted to tell. The story I heard on one of the special features on the Blu-ray. Oh. Where Matilda May, who oh yes, space girl, <laughs> she came in for the audition. And, of course, the, the audition room was filled with, you know, other young actresses looking to get the part. And apparently she had a little, you know, meeting in the room saying, you know, who are they to say that we need to be naked in this movie? You know, why are they always exploiting women? You know, we should make a stand and all of us walk out of here saying, no, we're not going to be naked in this movie. And they all agreed and everybody got up and walked out and Matilda May came back eliminating most of her competition. (laughs) I mean, again, that's just the story. It's I, I got from the desk. I don't know how true it is. I, I don't see why somebody would make that up. But right. I thought it was an interesting story.
1: Yeah, I mean, she. You know, I don't know if she's ever confirmed it, but um, that's a that's a funny story if true.
0: Yeah, and I, I looked her up, and most of her movies uh, following this are French films. So.
1: Well, she's um, she's from France, right?
0: Yes, yeah. she, is, she is a French actress. I, I just tried to see if, like, maybe there's something else that she was in that we've even seen, but, but not that I not that I saw it in my research.
1: No, I mean, um, most of the Hammer films I've watched are the, you know, like the Dracula ones, right? And most of them were uh, quite a while ago, with the exception of uh, Prince of Darkness. So I, I don't know you know mid-80s british cinema that well so i, I don't know if i've recognized too many of these actors with the exception of patrick stewart
0: uh steve rails backspins and stuff he was um in the stunt man he played charles manson in the helter skelter tv miniseries which i do vaguely probably, remember yeah uh his biggest thing um Uh, Oh, uh, he played, I don't know if how well, you remember John Candy and Eugene Levy in Armed and Dangerous? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, remember, he was the truck driver.
1: Oh, he was? That picks
0: John Candy up at the end. Oh, okay. All right. And he's definitely, I've seen him on, he, he definitely makes appearances on genre television. Usually he'll come in for an episode as, you know, a character. So you've definitely seen him around. Okay. Well, with that, we're going to thank you, as always, for listening. You can follow us on Twitter, threads, Instagram, Blue Sky, and I would say most importantly, Letterboxd, at MovieMattSoroyce, all one word, M-O-V-I-E-M-A-T-T-S-I-R-O-I-S. We thank you for listening and hope to have you back next time. Thank you, everyone. Stay gold, people.